my team and my clients, not the clients of the salon. If I look after my team, my team will look after those clients and then that in turn will look after my bank balance. So everybody becomes happy in the long run. Hi, I'm Adam Chatterley and this is the Beauty Business Podcast. It's a podcast for people who run a beauty or wellness business. Basically, if you provide treatments or services for your clients, then it's for you. Now, whether you're a skincare expert, a lash technician, a massage therapist, esthetician, permanent makeup artist, waxing specialist, whatever your area of expertise, if you'd like to have more prospects, more leads and more clients than you can handle, and if you'd like to be making more money whilst having more fun than you think should be legal, well, you're in the right place. So whether you're starting out or you've been in the industry for years, I'm gonna be giving you the lowdown on the tools, strategies, techniques, and systems that will help you. Plus, I'll be offering some inspiration and philosophization to ensure you start having more fun, and more importantly, you're making more money in your beauty business as quickly as possible. We're proud to now have over 1 million downloads worldwide and hundreds of five-star ratings and reviews. This is the podcast specifically for independent beauty business owners. So if you want to check out all the episodes, the guides, the downloads, the links, and the giveaways, or you want to say hello and maybe ask a question, just head to beautybusinesspodcast.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Beauty Business Podcast. Now, if you're a regular listener, then welcome back. It's lovely to see you again. How have you been? How was the holiday? No mishaps like last time, I hope. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And if you've stumbled across the podcast and this is the very first episode you've ever listened to, then you too are very welcome indeed. Now, before we get into the episode proper today, I said I'd be sharing with you some results from my recent case study group inside of my money program. And that is my Get More Clients, Make More Money group coaching program, if you've never heard me mention it before. Now, the premise for this case study was that I'd made some changes to the program in order to see if I could make it not only easier, but quicker to actually get the results. And as you know, around here, we don't make claims that we can't back up. So I wanted to take a small group of beauty business owners through the program myself in a case study to see just how quick those results came in and what those results were. Now, my initial goal was to get the program down from, I'd say an average of around seven to eight weeks to complete it and see the results to around five weeks. And based on the results from the case study group, We've done just a little bit better than that. Now, just a few examples here come to mind. We've got Louise, who is a skin specialist, who just two days, two days after joining the program, put into practice one of the first things that we actually share. And she signed a brand new client for £1,260, which is amazing. Or then there's Caroline, who had literally just started her aesthetics business. She didn't have any paying clients yet despite marketing already for weeks. And within just five days of starting the money program, she already had three full price paying clients, which is amazing. And then there's Joe, who again, within a few days of joining, having never been able to convert clients from her social media before, followed the steps that we showed her, posted one of our strategic posts onto her social and generated seven new clients from that one post. Now, there are loads more specific wins that people have had and shared within the group. But the most important thing for me is that I can now confidently say that money returns results. And when I say results, I'm not just talking about engagement or followers or leads. I am talking about paying clients, putting money in your bank account, all of that easily within five weeks now. And to celebrate this, I've decided to keep the special case study pricing for the program throughout the whole of this month before I put the price back up again to where it was before at the start of next month. So if you'd like to get more of the clients that you really want to be working with, selling much higher value services, meaning that you earn more money without needing a constant flow of new clients, then click the link in the episode description to start a quick chat with me so I can see if money is even right for you, or just go to beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash money, which will start that same messenger conversation with me. And we'll see if it's a good fit for you, because I'd love to take you through the program myself, see how quickly we can add another two or three grand a month in revenue to your beauty business. Okay, that's the case study update done. Let's get down to business. Now, I've probably said this before, but as we all know, 
it's important to repeat oneself many times to make sure that we are understood. And when I used to speak on stage, which actually I still do, just a lot less of it, but when I used to speak on stage a lot more, I'd always ask the assembled audience of various beauty professionals, you know, what's the number one thing that you'd love to fix in your beauty business right now? You know, if I had the the magic wand that I could wave over your business, what would it be that we would change overnight? And the most popular answer was always more clients, which was good for me to hear as that's what I do. But the second most popular answer was always staff, indicating that there is some sort of issue within the business, uh, you know, after the issue of needing more clients, but there were some issues with the team and that was on the top of people's fix-it lists. Now, as you should know by now, team issues are not really my thing. I've worked extremely hard over the last eight years or so to minimize the amount of team members that I have in my own business. And quite frankly, dealing with other people's team issues are not in my zone of genius either. But it is a problem for many beauty business owners, maybe for you too. Because let's face it, if your goals involve significantly large revenue numbers and or for you not to be the one doing any or all of the treatments, then you're going to have to build a team. And if you don't want to develop an unhealthy drinking habit, then you'll want that team to both perform and at least get on with each other so that managing them doesn't make you want to pull all of your hair out. But what if it was actually possible to not only have a team that performed and got on well together, but they actually managed themselves? I mean, if you could do that, not only would you have a full head of perfectly healthy follicles, but you could cultivate that entirely healthy drinking habit from a beach in the sun. Sounds like a dream, right? Well, not according to today's guest on the show. Now, I don't know about the beach or her drinking habits, but I would like to introduce you to Kelly Shaw. Now, I'll let Kelly tell you all about her journey through from being a therapist to a manager, to a director, to a consultant, to a frustrated business owner and beyond. But if you want to build a team or you want to convert the team that you've got right now to one that performs for you, but without needing you there all the time, and you can handle a few bits of tough love, then you should keep listening. I want to welcome to the show today another guest. We've got a, a flow of guests going on at the moment, and this is a new friend that I've made, but someone who immediately, as soon as I spoke to, knew I needed to get onto the podcast. So I want to welcome to the podcast today, Kelly Shaw. Kelly, it's a pleasure to have you with us. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. No problem at all. Now, um, I'm just wondering, should we tease people about it? No, we'll, we won't tease people about what we're talking about today, but it is, what I will say is it's the number, it's always either the number one or the number two thing that I get, always used to get asked about when I was speaking on stage. I'd always, 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 I'm sure I've told this story before, but I would always ask the audience whenever I was on stage, you know, what what are the two, what are the top things that um, are an issue in your business? Or, you know, if I could wave a magic wand over your business, what would it be? And the top two answers was always, Clients and staff, or clients and team, always the top two things. And the cool thing here is I deal with the clients bit, and now we've found someone who deals with the team bit, which is amazing. <laughs> so, um, Kelly, what I'd love you to do so people know a bit more about you, if they don't already know you, is you know, tell us, in fact, your story is fantastic. Tell us the, the how you kind of got into the beauty world, your progression through it, because I think you've you've had some amazing roles in there. So give us that backstory. Tell us how you've ended up where you are now. Okay. So I, w- I was thinking about this and I realized that next year is actually going to be 30 years. So that Ooh. makes me sound really old. I've actually been doing this <laughs> job longer than half of my team have been alive. So that's really, oh, really God, scary. <laughs> I know, completely. One of them just turned 19 and I was like, you were born the year I moved to Thailand. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but anyway, so I started out as a therapist, like most people. Um, the big yep. thing for me was I wanted to travel. So I started looking around and I thought, well, the biggest thing to do is go work on a cruise ship. That's how you get to travel. 
So I looked at what jobs are available on a cruise ship. I thought I'll work in the bar or do this. And they actually require a lot of qualification just to basically make up some drinks. So I didn't want to go to bar school. And I thought, what else? Hair, that's not my passion. But actually, beauty sounded like something that I'd be quite interested in. I'd spent two years working with um, Clinique as a well, back then it was called YTS. See, I really am showing my age now, aren't I? So it was basically an apprenticeship. Um, so I got sort of immersed in makeup and beauty and thought, well, at least there'd be a career at the end of it when I got off yeah. the ship. So went to college, qualified, didn't end up working in cruise ships because along the way I'd oh. found a lot of people that had and it sounded like way too much intensive hard work, labor, massage <laughs> for me. So I just oh, yeah. went and joined the world of salons and absolutely loved it loved giving treatments um but there was always that little bit that I still want to travel and I need I want a bit more just doing hands-on treatments just didn't float my boat every day so I moved into education and I was one of the youngest um educators for Dermalogica and the International Dermal Institute back then um which got me traveling through to the US. I used to go working in Turkey and train a lot of the teams. And I sort of worked my way up to being like a train the trainer type of environment. And I think that's when I found my passion, which is education. So it sort of started as a therapist by educating Mm -hmm. my clients. Then it went into the world of education. And after doing that for a number of years, um, I decided that, well, actually, I've had enough of education. What is another what is another string to my bow? I've not done management. So let's go and manage. And I was lucky enough that I managed to work for a group of salons in London um, and became like the training person, but also um, salon manager. I didn't know how to manage. Um, I've never <laughs> had any staff before. Um, like, what happens a lot in this industry and with a lot of Huge, us, you hugely. Sort of, I'm a yeah. therapist, you get moved to head therapist, then all of a sudden you're managing people. And it's like, we yeah. don't, I don't know how to manage people. So I looked at managers I'd had and thought, well, let's not do what they did because that made me really unhappy. <laughs> um, I quite liked what they did. So I'll give that a go. And I sort of found a management style. And luckily, I'm one of the people that naturally it came to and I did quite well at it and I started to build trust and respect with my teams um but you know a few years of managing that travel bug was still there and I thought you know what it's time I really need to look at how I can get out there and do things and I started looking at well how am I going to get to travel you've got you work in a in an industry that is worldwide and you've got so many opportunities available to you in this industry. So what can I do? And I thought, well, easy. Next thing is I need to be a spa director. If I've been a oh, salon manager, the natural next jump is I'm going to be a spa director. I don't know what they do, but I'm sure it's, you know, I'm sure <laughs> Figure I Figure it out. <laughs> As you'll see, that's a theme in my journey. You'll see that's a theme. I'm loving, um, I'm loving this strategy of it. I'm loving what well, I want this. So clearly this is the thing that I need to be. <laughs> so then I decided, well, yeah, I'm going to be a spa director. That's what I'm going to be. And I'm going to travel. I want to move somewhere. Where do I want to move? Well, actually, I want to move to Thailand. That sounds like a pretty, you know, as far away from the busyness of London as you can get. And so if I'm going to move to Thailand, then I'm going to need to work for a company that, you know, I respect. So I thought, ah, Four Seasons, that's a great spa hotel company. I think that would be amazing. Not necessarily the easiest to get into. Not at all. So I literally signed up with an agency in London and was like, right, so I want to be a spa director. I'd love to work in Thailand and I really 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 want to be with the Four Seasons so yeah nothing too specific Um, (laughs) and I kid you not within six weeks I was packing my bags and flying out to Chiang Mai as spa director of the Four Seasons Chiang Mai which is the one of the most 
I mean, at the time, because we're talking now 2004, <laughs> so it's nearly 20 years ago, at the time, it was um, one of the top five spa resorts in the world. Um, it was wow. always featured in Condé Nast magazine um, and things like that. So here comes little old me from London that had already winged it as a salon manager, <laughs> suddenly sat in the meeting with all of the directors thinking, what on earth am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 28 or whatever, how old I was. Um, I've suddenly got a team of 200. Only 10% of them spoke English. Mm. My staff meetings literally took three hours. We would have a translator (laughs) and we would do them (laughs) in stages. I would only be able to speak to one section whether it would be reception was great because they had a good level of English because they were front of house dealing with the guests the therapists didn't need to speak as much English they could read the scripts that were provided for them to how they interact with their client and if you went too far off piste yeah no it didn't happen but a lot of the spa attendants didn't speak a lot of English so it was really really interesting but it definitely enabled me to be more let's say creative in how I communicated with people um it made me learn how to you know find reward and to you know give people feedback positive or negative in very Mm -hmm. different ways it was it was a real learning curve and it was absolutely amazing and I did that for a good few years and traveled around Asia um, working between four seasons and then I moved on to Shangri-La hotels where I actually was one of their pre-opening spa directors so I used to come oh. in design the treatment menus um do like a challenge hire, don't you <laughs> yeah hire all their staff train all their staff and then move on to the next one and that was amazing and I absolutely loved it but then I got a little bit fed up of living out of a suitcase And I Mm -hmm. thought it was about time I put down roots. So I wanted to come back to the UK. And I was so fortunate that the Shangri-La, I thought I'm going to open my own consultancy and become a spa consultant. And Shangri-La, they were my biggest client. They said, that's fine. You can still do what you're doing. We'll just hire you as a consultant to do it. Like, perfect. Happy days. Move back to the UK. Find myself a house. Ready made job. Loving life. This is amazing. And then it was 2008 and the global crisis happened. And all of a sudden, all of the general managers were like, the board will not accept us flying you over from the UK. We don't have the budget. We're not Mm -hmm. opening any more um, spas. And all of a sudden, my business just fell out of the floor. And I was like, what on earth am I going to do now? There's no way I could go back to working in a salon in the UK. Mm. One, it was never my thing um, Mm. to be hands-on. And I just thought, what on earth do I do? So I was lucky that I managed to find a job as a consultant um, working for a company in the UK. So it was WeWay um, Lifestyle International. They were one of the founding creators of Champney. Um, Yes, I I know Tanya. Yes, I worked with Tanya and Alan, God rest his soul, for many, many, for a while. And we did some fantastic projects um, out in Poland, in Spain. Um, And then, again, it was I'd live in Hertfordshire for the week and then come back home. And I thought, I need a little bit more. And I was, you know what happens when you you start clicking on things and you end up going down, I don't know, an internet hole and you click this, click that and click the other. And before I knew it, I was on a businesses for sale website. And I was like, oh, there's a business for sale in Hampshire. I I live in Hampshire. So I clicked on it and then it went down and down. And before I knew it, I was in my hometown and there was this business for sale. And I thought, I know where that is. So I went and sort of scoped it out and then started thinking about things. And I thought, I, I, could, I could have a salon. Um, that's probably a good thing to do next. I've got a lot of experience. I've run, mm-hmm. you know, multi-million pound budgets. I know yep. what I'm doing. I've had how hard could it be? It's not going to be difficult to run <laughs> a little four room salon in my hometown. I'm going to be loving life. Uh, I'm going to literally hmm. have it, and it's just going to be making me money. I wouldn't know what to do with it all. And so I purchased the salon, and that was 15 years ago. We're celebrating our wow. 15th year of K Spa in November. And 
oh my god was I naive <laughs> and had no idea how difficult yep. it actually is to run a business and it it's been the biggest learning curve of my whole career but it's also been the most rewarding um yes. and it's the only thing I've stuck at <laughs> for longer <laughs> than like four years. Well, four let's years. say seven years. I was abroad for seven years, but it's been the one thing that made you know has kept my attention because mm. it's been challenging, but it's also been really, really rewarding. And so that's how I ended up with a business. But because I had so many problems, the biggest one being staff mm-hmm. that it sort of has led me to seek help to try and find out, well, what am I doing wrong? I've got a really successful business, but it's not giving me the life I want. And it stresses me out every day. So I sought help from a business coach and from working with them and with me thinking, oh, but let's just give this a go and let's just give that a go. I've managed to sort of create a formula that's allowed me to create a team. So basically, I've got a self-managing team. So I managers, and it just doesn't work. Um, So I've created an environment where my team manage themselves. Um, It wasn't easy to do. But again, for me, with this educational theme that keeps coming through, with started with clients, um, then I've got a team and it started by helping the team educating them and helping them grow and now it's like well I've come out the other side of a very stressful business so now I get really excited in showing people that there's another way of being a salon owner as well there is a way to work with a team and not have all of those stresses it's not for everybody because Mm -hmm. not everybody will be able to do it um but if that's something that you want to do, then I would, you know, I'm really passionate to show people that there is another way. I love that. And I mean, a self-managing team has got to be the dream for, for any business owner, really, if you have a team, of course. Yes. Um, so that is amazing. And that's so interesting that we, I mean, it's, it's a wonder we never crossed paths before. I know. Uh, doing that. <laughs> um, and you did, you did, probably slightly in a, in a more kind of all-in way, a very similar thing to me when I moved from consultancy to working uh, with smaller businesses. And it, I made exactly the same assumption. I was like, I've, I've opened billion-pound hotel spars. You know, <laughs> how, how different can working with independence be? And it turns out entirely different. And yeah, you have to relearn everything you do. So no, but that's great. And, and seemingly all throughout those, those different points in your career, it's always been involving team, it's always been, you know, building that team, getting it working, all these kind of things. So you've drawn on all those different um, experiences that you've had to now create where you are right now. So we'll get more into kind of your your views on this. But one thing I want to know is is like, do you think do you think it's there's a particular difficulty in building a team in our industry than maybe somewhere else? Um, I wouldn't say there's a particular difficulty just with our industry. What I would say, and people aren't going to like this when I say it, is that if you are struggling with staff issues in your business, the problem is you. So true. (laughs) You're not going to like it, but if you don't change your experience of running your business will never change. Now, I know there's going to be people listening to this going, what does she know? Or, oh my God, that's ridiculous. How am I causing all the problems? It's this girl that won't ever show up on time. And that was me. When I was told that, I had the biggest response, like, you know, swear words probably (laughs) came out of my mouth because I'm this big hotshot that's managed multi-million things all over the place. I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm this, you know, amazing manager and this, that and the other. Um, But I was inadvertently probably causing about 90 to 95% of the businesses, of the problems in my business, and I wasn't aware of it. 
Um, one of the biggest things I do think we have in our industry, one of the biggest problems, in fact, I would, I would even hasten to say it's a crisis, is we have a leadership crisis in mm. salons, in my opinion. Yeah. So go back to all of the previous jobs that I've had. I was a great manager. I'm mm-hmm. quite, my self-esteem is big enough for me to be able to say that. I know I was Good. a great manager. My team yeah. tell me I was a great manager. I'm still in contact with a load of people from yeah. all of the teams that I've managed. You know, 20 years ago, they all still jump on and give me a quick happy birthday and how are things, Miss <laughs> Kelly oh, and, nice. and the other, okay. which is lovely. So I was a great manager. When I opened Case Bar, I took all those skills as a manager and applied them to my business. Well, unfortunately, as a salon owner, I can't be a manager. I needed to be a leader. And a lot of the time, I don't know. Well, when I ask salon owners this, eight out of 10 don't know what the difference is between a manager and a leader. I know I didn't. I thought it was sort Mm -hmm. of the same sort of thing. So by not leading the business it's the biggest and most crucial mistake that we make as salon owners if we're not leading the business then everybody's sort of pulling everything in different directions and this is where a lot of the problems that we start to see arise from so at the moment you've got you know you've got the general um leadership where it's usually top down type thing where you've got your big boss at the front most companies work that way and everything gets filtered down I believe that's a really old-fashioned way of leading and hence Mm -hmm. having a self-managing team is that it's the upside down triangle so it's all of us at the beginning that filters down into how it should be at the bottom and just to go off point for a minute but especially now where you hear so many people talking about gen z and you can't make them do anything and they don't want to work and they i've got a lot of gen z's in my team that are phenomenal but it's because of the environment they want to belong to something they want to feel respected valued trusted so it's your job as a salon owner to lead your team to success and that's where i think in our industry we struggle with that because it's not something you know most people fall into salon management if we're honest you're either an amazing therapist you know they've built up their business they're working 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 they can't do any more so what do they do i need help i'll just get somebody along to help me and then they start employing yeah it's the broken um uh ascension model the default one that just like, oh, well, you were a great therapist. So clearly you'll make a brilliant head therapist. And then you were a good head therapist. Oh, clearly you'll make a brilliant manager. Where the hell does that make any sense outside of spas and salons <laughs> in this industry? So I totally agree with you. And equally, you know, there's no training involved, you know, no. just to give someone magically giving someone a job title doesn't make them capable of a doing that job or being any good at it. So I completely agree with you. And yeah, the, that realization as a business owner that actually everything's your fault. As soon as you, and not necessarily your fault, but... Good or bad. Take, yeah, yeah, no, honestly. But yeah, take responsibility for everything. That was, I had exactly the same reaction. I remember I had a coach at the time and they and they stood up on stage and they told this whole audience that. And you could just, it's like this, this like Feel the, the silence was deafening kind of thing. It was like, oh, what, excuse me? No, there's, there's nothing wrong with me. And then, Gradually, kind of sank in. I was like, Do you know what? Yeah, if I'm gonna t- if I'm gonna take the responsibility for the wins, got to take responsibility for everything else. Because if it's a member of my team, fortunately, I don't have a team anymore, so I'm really lucky about this. But you know, if it's a member of the team, I hired them, I trained yeah. them, or I didn't train them, and therefore, whatever they're doing is my responsibility. They may have done the physical thing, but it's my responsibility yeah. why that happened. And I think the sooner you embrace that and understand that, I think the the better off you're generally going to be. Definitely. And it it makes your life so much easier as well. Because if you look about it, one of the things is as a manager, you know, they're managing tasks and people, let's say. So one of the analogies that I love to use is that as a manager, when I managed my team, I basically got 
I paid them. I paid for their hands and their arms. So Mm -hmm. it was just a job. They came to work with their hands and their arms and they did whatever it was that was expected of them. And then off they went at the end of the day. That was my experience of my team. When I started to lead them and create the right environment for them, I got not only their hands and arms, but I start now, I've got their hearts and their minds. So one, they start thinking of how we can make the business better. So that's on them. And they also have that connection with the business. You know, they're not going to fly out the door because it's five past eight or whatever. And it's time to, you know, oh, I'm not going to stay behind. You know, you it all becomes collaborative and it makes such a difference because you've got that support. And one of the biggest things people say as a salon owner is, oh, it's really lonely being a salon owner. Yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be. If your team are fully on board, then you're not alone. You've got however many you've got in your team right there behind you having your back, you know, to the point where I remember at times when, and, you know, I'm not a sickly person and I hardly ever call in sick, if you like. But when I was um, in the business a lot more, running the reception, if you like, running the business from the front, um, there was a time when I was literally flu out of bed. First time I think I'd ever had flu. And so I put it in our group saying, guys, look, really sorry. Um, I'm not going to make it in today. And before you know it, I had two people that were on their day off saying, well, I can come in and cover reception for a couple wow. of hours here. I can do this then. Um, I'll do this. Guys, if you do that. And before you know it, I was like, there you go. And had That's a week amazing. off and it didn't make any difference. I didn't need to be involved they just took it and flew with it. And that's so rewarding to yeah. know that you've created that. It never used to be like that. That was for sure. Um, <laughs> I think there's probably a bunch of salon owners listening to this go, she's lying. That can't possibly be true. That can't happen. So that's obviously the dream. That's what everybody wants. Um, and, and I don't think there's anyone listening to this or any business owner that would say, you know, that's not where they'd love to be. But getting there... Mm. Entirely different, different kettle of fish. So, what would you say? Um, I suppose. What are some of the common mistakes that you see beauty business so, owners, business owners in general, making when they're trying to either? I suppose there's two aspects: it's kind of building the team in the first place, or if you've got an existing team, um, bringing them round to this way of looking. What are some of the common mistakes you see people make? So, this. This will, this is the rule, basically, (laughs) whether you're about to build a business where you want to take on a team member or more, or whether you've got team members. And again, this isn't always a popular opinion (laughs) um, with people, but the minute you decide to become an employer and you should think about that and make a conscious decision Mm -hmm. if you are a single solopreneur with your own beauty business whatever form that may take and you get to that stage where you are really really busy and you're thinking oh okay it's time I brought somebody on you need to sit down and have a really big talk with (laughs) yourself and you decide whether you want to leverage your business in another way, in which case they come and speak to an expert like you and you can help them with their pricing and with their treatments and you can look at there are ways that you can make exponentially more money doing less hours and having a great Mm -hmm. time when you're willing to put the work in and do that. And that's what a lot of people should do. Yes. But if you want to grow a team, Or if you have a team, then you have to understand that the minute you employ people, your focus has to be them. Your priority is your team. It isn't the treatments that you do. It isn't all worrying about all the services. You, and that's my mission, and I have that on like my mission thing, is my mission is to create um, a rewarding and exciting employment experience for my team. My team and my clients, not the clients of the salon, 
if I look after my team, my team will look after those clients. And then that in turn will look after my bank balance. So everybody becomes happy in the long yeah. run. But it is all about we we it's creating that right environment for people to thrive. And that's something that I didn't fully understand. And I think like like a lot of salon owners, um, I'm a control freak. And I want to micromanage everything. And I thought, oh, it's just easier to get it done myself. Or, oh, it's not being done exactly the way that I want it to do. And you start micromanaging and it becomes... It's quicker for me to do it myself. Quicker for me to do it myself than show someone else. Exactly. And if all of these things come up in your business, then there's... It's your self-belief. There's some limiting beliefs going on within yourself that you would need to work on in order to go through the process. So that's what I had to do. I had to take responsibility, chapter two of my book, um, (laughs) and understand that it was me that was doing all this and to get over my insecurities um, because that was the only way I could create an environment that would allow me to create a self-managing team. And one of the biggest things is actually realizing and understanding you are only human you're going to make mistakes but recognizing them um so for example i talk about it in the book one of my biggest biggest fears was losing staff um i think when it happened from the beginning because i knew i never want i didn't want to be hands-on anymore i loved the business side of a salon so i came into salon ownership a different way but I still Mm. got it wrong um having had management experience um so I um sort of started looking at well what do I need to do how do I need to change because I'm scared to death about losing staff so I'm people pleasing and I'm trying to make everybody happy and trying to make everybody happy doesn't work you make nobody happy especially yourself and your stress levels go out off the roof and you're just constantly walking on eggshells and this person rolls up that person and, oh God, what's what's this one going to do if she does that? And it was, oh, it was just awful. So when I started to work through the process of creating this self-managing team, um, I actually, what's it, prophesized my biggest fear in that I went from a team of eight down to two but it didn't freak me out because actually I knew they were the wrong people for my team. Right. So, so one of the... Self-cleansing clear out. <laughs> yeah, but not in a bad way. It not was a bad just, way. It happened naturally because mm. of what we were doing. So one of the biggest things I would say to people when it comes to creating your ideal team is... It's about who's in it. And I've got a little saying that is my biggest, biggest rule is that you cannot have any hyacinths in your team. What's a hyacinth, I hear you say? I was going to say, what, I was gonna say, what is a hyacinth? <laughs> I'm suddenly thinking hyacinth bouquet or from that Exactly from that, that exactly that. Oh, really? So okay. Again, yes. So again, showing showing my age, but I'm you know glad that you went with her. Keep, that, that, was it keeping up appearances? Was that exactly? That yeah. Was cool? so, oh, there we go. Don't know where I dragged yeah, that from. That was it. <laughs> that was it. So if people don't know Hyacinth for the younger generation that might be listening, <laughs> go on YouTube and type it. Type her in. Um, but basically, Hyacinth Bouquet or Mrs. Bucket was a real strong character who is what I see as the epitome of a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. She had her own beliefs and insecurities that she needed people to see her in a specific way, hence being called Mrs. Bouquet and not Mrs. Bucket. So in Mm -hmm. order to try and get people to see her this way for her own security she made everybody's life around her a living hell I mean her poor husband and that dithery neighbor next door if you haven't seen it watch a clip but 
why I, I've used that as an example is because you might have hyacinths in your team. Now, it doesn't mean that these are bad people. Mrs. Bouquet wasn't a bad person. It was just her insecurities led her to act in a certain way that impacted people's lives in a detrimental way. And you might have people on your team that are doing the same thing. And you will never get team synergy if there is somebody on your team that is acting like a hyacinth. The other thing is, is that you as the owner can often be the hyacinth, but that's a whole another chapter. (laughs) That's another chapter. That's book two. Exactly. (laughs) But if if you've got hyacinths on your team, um, and there's a great exercise that I've got that I'll give... um, you guys are linked to at the end of this anyway. Oh, amazing. For you to find out if you do, because when I did this exercise, this is what was shared with me by my coach and I've taken it and sort of grown with it. When I did this, I was like, oh my God, half of my team might not actually be the right fit for my team. And it wasn't that they were bad people. They were great, but it was Hmm. just that they weren't on board with the vision or with what I was trying to do. And by not having that cohesiveness, you can't create what's called, I call it team esteem. So like you've got self-esteem and everything's great and you feel good about yourself. I Mm -hmm. work towards creating team esteem because that's where you get this glue that just holds your team together and they just grow and flourish. And if you have a higher synth, you will never, ever create team esteem. So it's one of the big things that you need to look at. And basically, if you've got that out of the way, then it's working through like a set of principles to try and create an environment where your team can flourish. Um, and I didn't really grasp the importance, and I'm sure you will with a lot of what you've said before in your careers and things like that, is I never really understood the importance of systems and processes. (laughs) Yeah. And how, and, you know, I had an operations manual, yes, because... You know, it was a big dusty folder that sat, you know, I've worked in. Down down the back of reception somewhere, yeah. yeah, (laughs) So, but it wasn't until I actually realized the power of a system. That's how I got my team on board. They created these systems with me. If I'd have just come in with this big dusty book and said, there you go, that's how Case Bar needs to be run then they all would just have ignored it or it would get done some of the time or whatever. But my biggest thing for me as a salon owner, and this is really important for people to think about for a moment, is as a salon owner, if you're not happy, how can you make your team happy? And then how can you make your clients happy? If you're not happy, it trickles down. So if you are frustrated, it's going to come in. Your your therapists are going to know about it. Your team are going to know about it. And it's all going to cause issues. So by creating an environment where everybody gets what they need out of it, and the easiest way to do that is with a system. So I went to my team and said, look, this is what we're going to do. For For my salon to make me happy, I knew I needed to not work in it every day. I, mm-hmm. I've done that journey. I want the business. I've never thought about getting rid of it. Well, I did at seven years in, which is when the big explosion comes. Like this needs to change or I'm selling the thing. Um, but it's like for me to be happy, I need not to be a part of it. So you need to think about what does your business need to do to make you happy and then design it. If you can design your business to make you happy, everything else will just fall into place. So the team got on board with me. I said, right, we need to create some systems. And the easiest way to do that is you you approach it with something that really gets on their nerves because then you get the buy-in and they start to understand. So at the time for us, we were having an issue with late clients. If a client was late, reception would just push them through anyway therapists got stressed out it backed up their whole day and it was all this big thing of contention 
So I sat mm-hmm. down and I said, right, we need a process. We need to design a system for how we deal with late clients. And after we had a few little niggles and little mini arguments, we started coming up, well, sorry, they started coming up with constructive ideas. And by the end of the meeting, we had a full-blown, this is how we deal with late clients. And what's come from that is we've actually got a big book, which isn't dusty. And at the back of reception, we've got a big book, which is called our, this is how we do stuff book. And that book has a system for everything. I'm not kidding you. It's like that thick. (laughs) It's for... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, because as a as a team, it means we all do the things the same way. So yes. as an owner, if I'm, if I'm being a therapist for the day, because I do do one day hands-on in the salon because I like to play at treatments and I still enjoy doing my skincare treatments. So I still have a small column that I run. So when I'm in as a therapist, I follow all the same rules that we've created as a team. There's nothing worse as an owner than that, you know, them and you, you're not following the, the rules you've set. Um, but it also means for me as a salon owner, I know everything's getting done the way I want it done when I'm not there. I don't have to micromanage. The biggest, yeah. the biggest falsity, if you like, of people that micromanage, because I was the biggest micromanager, my God, my team will tell you that. They even tell me now, back off, Kelly. We know what you want. We'll get it done. It's like the more you micromanage, the less control you actually have of your business. The more you hand it over, the more control that you have. And that's what a system, a process system will do for you. And that's one of the biggest things we don't do in this industry, um, which, you know, Michael Gerber, the e-myth, is the biggest, it was one of the biggest books. I mean, mine's sort of based on it, if you like. It was Mm -hmm. one of the biggest turnarounds for me. Um, That and, you know, I'm not going to get all philosophical and psychology, but the the teachings of um, Maslow, Herzberg and McGregor is also what the, the, the team is based on, you know, what what I do and what I help people with isn't based on just me coming up with stuff. It's yeah. based in human psychology. Um, that's right. the big thing. So it sounds like then to me, you can't just make any team work. You've got to build the right team. And that could mean losing some members of the team. Almost certainly does. To start. Yeah. Um, so, but once you've built that team based on the right criteria. It's then involving them, creating, yeah, almost handing over the ability to come up with these systems themselves. And surely when you've got these systems, the the worry of losing staff becomes mm-hmm. much less because yes. staff will move on. Clients will move on. We all know this fact of life, no matter, you could be the most incredibly generous employer in the world but teams will change for all reasons that are out of your control. But surely it means once you've got the, this is how we do everything manual, yep. you find a new team member who meets your criteria and then onboarding them must become so much easier because yes. they've already got the, this is how we do everything manual. And exactly, it's not that, like you say, it's not like day one at McDonald's, here's the, here's the operations manual for everything that we do that they'll never read. Um, because the team have come up with it, they're passionate about it, they'll insist yes. that that new member of staff does it that way as well. And yes. it's sort of, like I say, self, self-training. self You don't need to worry about it. <laughs> and another <laughs> thing, crazy. just on that itself, so with the system, with the process, when we create one, we design it together, we test it. If it works, it gets typed up, which is when it's really real. Um, okay. It gets printed, <laughs> so it's a Facebook physical serious. copy. Exactly. <laughs> But what we then do is we all sign it. We all sign ah, it, including myself, okay. to say we've understood it, we've read it, we've understood it, and we will work towards it. Because it then becomes, should anybody have got through all of your systems and they're not the right person, or circumstances change and maybe yeah, yeah. something happens and somebody starts acting out, you've got the perfect performance management tool there it takes all of the fear about confrontation and talking to a 
a team member that's not performing because you've got, okay, this is the system. We all agreed that this is how we're going to do it. You're not. Yeah. Tell me why. And it's yeah. a system problem, not a people problem. Yeah, yeah. Takes the pers- personalness, personalness um, away from it. So I love that idea. Okay, cool. This is amazing. So um, those are the kind of mistakes that people make. Those are kind of the big shifts that that you made in your business. What are because I love to give people kind of a, some actionable stuff. What are some kind of little actionable nuggets that people could take if they're, I don't know, if they're kind of looking at building a team now or they're in a team and they know right now that things just aren't working. Let's say they, they feel like they've got the right team, but things just aren't quite working. What's the kind of the first place you'd go to? So the first place I'd go to is to do the Hyacinth quiz. Right. Okay. Um, so see if you've got any, um, because until you get them out, you're not going to be able to create this team. Um, I say so you would say, you would biggest... say, don't even start, don't start trying to change anything until you've got your team built right. It swings around. I mean, to be fair, you can start to get everything in place because then you'll know, I'd, I'd say do the Kaisen's quiz so that you know who they are. Because then I give you tips how you deal with that person. Because to be fair, you can turn some of your hyacinths around. I did. Some some of the time, they just need structure. They need. So the first thing I would be looking at for you, whether you don't have a team or if you've got one, you need to know what you want your salon to be. What do you, how does it need to work? Um, And then go about designing how you make it work that way. So get your team involved. The biggest thing I think we do as salon owners is we try and hide everything. I'll never mm. forget a lady that I worked for in America. She was the first um, owner manager that ever shared what the salon took. So I'd see our targets at like this crazy amount of money thinking she's rolling in it. And then she broke down what it actually costs to run that business and things like mm. that. I share everything with my team. We're all in 100%. Um, you know, it's up to you what you do share. But if they're not involved, if they don't start to have some sort of ownership around the business, whether that's from the systems or just knowing what's going on, then how can you expect them to not treat it like just a job? And to you've got to create that environment, um, that high trust environment. So look at what you want to do. Um, look at how you're going to start to implement that. The more you can spend a little bit of time here and there with your teams to start putting these things in place, it it changes. It's huge. Um, it's quite yeah. empowering the way people start to respond to it. But it's it's hard as a salon owner. Mm. I know because I've done it. So there'll be ups and downs, but it's believing in yourself. It's not, it's, you know, having that, that strength and that confidence in what you want to do. And it's not shameful that if you think, you know what? No, I don't want this. I don't want a team. Then go back to working on your own and create yourself a fantastic job and business that makes you happy. Don't sit and, you know, make yourself unhappy with teams when it's way too stressful and life's way too short. I I I could be the poster boy for that. I I literally I not in a beauty business, but obviously I work. I've always worked in it. But I was exactly that. I got a job. I was in a business. Uh, I was promoted and promoted and ended up being a manager. Had no training, but sort of thought, well, this this is what I've got to do. So I must now learn to be a good manager. And I think I got okay at it. But then I suddenly realised actually. I don't enjoy this. This is not what I want to do. I need to find a way of not having that. So like I said to you earlier on, I spent eight years trying to not have a team and I am happier than I've ever been. I have people who work with me, um, but they're not, they're, they're consultants or they're VAs. And I mean, I guess I've accidentally done what you've said. I don't want them underneath me in terms of I manage them day to day, but we've now built systems for each one of what they do. And as long yeah. as those systems are getting done, I, I, <laughs> barely yeah. need to talk to them because we're building <laughs> things and they're getting done and they now know to come to me only if there's a problem. And that's yeah. that may sound terrible to someone who's like, well, he's not no. going to build a team. I'm like, no, I've built a team that I barely need to talk to. But I guess the realization is like you said, it's 
it's figuring out what you want and then communicating yeah. it to whatever kind of team you have. Because until you've done that, if you yeah. don't know what you want, they don't know what no. you want. And if you never exactly. told them, how the hell are they supposed to help you build it? Exactly. So, and yeah, yeah. you've got to, you've so got to lead your team. You've got to have a vision. You've got to share that vision. And then you've got to create an environment that makes it easy for your team to fulfill your vision. That's it in a nutshell. Easy peasy. That's it. Perfect. <laughs> as easy as that. So go away, do that, you know, you'll have no problem whatsoever. Exactly. <laughs> so um, I know you said you're going to share the Hyacinth with us, which is amazing. Yes. Uh, and we'll get that link from you in a second. And obviously I'll put that in the show notes on the description for this uh, episode. Um, but... I imagine now that you've kind of piqued people's interest, and I know that there's people out there going, oh my God, I want one of these self-managing teams. And that's what you do now. You help people create these teams that you yes. that you have learned how to, and you create your own systems to build these teams. So if anyone wants to kind of get in touch with you, Kelly, find out more, understand how you can help them do this, I imagine they'll be biting your hand off. <laughs> uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you or, or, or connect with you? So you've got a couple of options. So if you go to my website, which is kellyshaw.me, you've got everything okay. there. You'll have under the resources tab, you've got the Hyacinth exercise. And cool. you've also got another one, which is your only human, which is for owners to see how they might be inadvertently causing some of the issues. I Ooh, scored very highly on those questions when I, uh, <laughs> I did that. So uh, don't worry if you do. Um, there's also a link for people to sign up to um, a free discovery call. So basically, you know, I take people through a process. I've even got processes in my coaching business now because I understand what how important do. they it's are. Sensible. Yeah, so absolutely. I take them through a process on the call where I basically help people to see things more clearly. It doesn't right. mean that it's naturally then a progression that they need to go on with coaching with me, but it can help them look at you know, yeah. I've given some people clarity at the end of that call that they know they do want to go back to being a solo entrepreneur. <laughs> so it, it can, sometimes it can just be helpful to have a conversation. Yep. So I'm more than Agreed. willing um, to have that. And you also will have the link on to my book. So basically my book, How to Make Your Salon Work So You Don't Have To, is the Love whole it. process I went through to create a self-managing team. And for any of your listeners, if they want to use the code Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, then okay. they can get the book for free and just pay for postage wow. and packing. So you can, Amazing. that's going to Thank be there. And Thank you so one much. other thing is that having had all these conversations, I think I said this to you at the beginning, is that, you know, looking at all of this and what I've done, I've decided that there's plenty of content here that it needs to be a day's workshop as well to actually take this a little bit right. further and give people some more actionable things that they could do. So again, you don't have to jump into the world of coaching, but I've had feedback from some people that have read my book and said, you know what, because I've put this in place, I've taken the first holiday I've ever taken in 10 years as a love, salon I owner. I mean, like that. that is just, I just love it when things like that. So it's not all about coaching. It's how I can help people yep. in different ways. So I'm going to look at creating a workshop. So if anybody wants to be on the priority list, for when that's available, then they should just email me with like, let me in or something like that. <laughs> and I'll put them, Workshop I'll me put up. Them, <laughs> I'll put them on a wait list for when Amazing. I've created that. And um, yeah, so that's pretty much how to get in touch. Cool. Well, we will put uh, links to all of those things, like I said, on the show notes pages and in the podcast description. So if you're listening to this on an app, just go and check out the episode description, however you do that, because they keep changing it. Find that will be a link in there and you'll go get those. Um, Kelly. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. It's been so much fun talking to you and, and getting all this information about building teams. You're very welcome. I've had a ball. It's, it's great just chatting and having conversations. That's what we love to do, isn't it, really? See, it's not painful, <laughs> is it, at all? No. <laughs> well, we will we will definitely keep in touch, Kelly. Uh, but thank you again for being uh, on the show. And uh, yeah, like I said, anyone wants to get in touch with Kelly, get the book is a very generous offer. Thank you so much for that. Or get the quiz or just reach out and connect. Then uh, it's kellyshaw.me, uh, but we will put those links in there for you. Right. Uh, thank you again. Bye for now, Kelly. Bye-bye. You still there? See, that's what happens when you get someone who's super passionate about what they do to talk on a podcast. Now, 
I've not known Kelly for long. I'll be honest about that. I've not known her long personally, which is weird because I'm genuinely surprised our paths haven't crossed before. But in the few months that I've known Kelly, I have seen just how generous, honest, and genuine a person and a mentor or advisor she is. Now, personally, I've got no desire to build a team right now. But if I did, and I wanted to chase that dream of a self-managing team, I would 100% be reaching out to Kelly for help. So do go and check out the Hyacinth exercise, love that name, and the Your Only Human test over on Kelly's website, which is kellyshaw.me. Links are in the show notes pages for this episode as usual, which you can go to find at beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash episode 175. And you can get in touch with Kelly from both of those places. Now, that's it for me for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode or any episode and you've not yet given me a rating out of five on whatever podcast application it is that you're listening on, please go and do so. It's kind of like a scorecard for you know how we're doing. And you know everyone likes a review, so please go and leave me a review on said podcast app too. Tell me what you think of the show. Uh, give me any feedback that you'd like to give me. And please, if you have an idea or a suggestion or a request, for an episode that you'd like uh, a topic done on in the future, please let me know on there too. Okay, see you in the next one. You've been listening to the Beauty Business Podcast. My name is Adam Chatterley. And if you've enjoyed this show today, then you must make sure you don't miss another episode. Just click subscribe in whatever podcast application you are listening to this on to be notified when a new episode is released. And if you'd like even more help starting, growing or scaling up your beauty business, then just go to beautybusinesspodcast.com forward slash help. And there are a number of resources right there to entertain, enlighten and assist you in your business journey, no matter what stage you're at. 